Hello, it's the Campaign Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Omar Oaks, Campaign's Global Tech Editor. Today, it's another special episode, the one where everyone is working from home and now podcasting from home, apparently, as the ad industry deals with the coronavirus pandemic. We're going to discuss what's happening in the world of advertising, media marketing at this difficult time. We're speaking to two agency bosses about what they're doing and how their clients are reacting. All this and more on this week's campaign podcast. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Jeremy Lee. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm not too bad. Thank you very much. Are you you at home? Are you well? Are you safe? I'm home. I'm well and I'm safe, but I'm bored. I think like everyone else out there, we're being cooped up in a... In a in your properties of varying sizes, I have a very small flat. is uh, is getting frustrating, but it's something we we need to do. So uh, let's just crack on. Yeah. So um, we did go into the office on Monday at our Twickenham headquarters, and it was you know we it was pretty obvious I think to everyone that everyone was going to be working from home at some point, and then we got the orders late on Monday after the Boris Johnson announcement, and from Tuesday we've all been working from home, and. We've been having conferences at midday every day. We've been struggling with Google Meet, I think, is our program of choice. How have you found it personally? Um, do you work from home much? How you? I mean, you've been a journalist for many years now. And is this a, a continuation of working from home or is this something entirely different? Well, I was, I was freelance for a number of years, so I'm, I'm quite used to working from home. I think the circumstances are, are very different this time around. But... Um, yeah, I mean it's not it's not ideal, but I think everyone, including the industry, has sort of found a way to work around it. So there is the technology there. I think the main problem is the um, you know, you, you, but you get you, I, what, what I've realised most is you get ideas and inspiration and you know creativity from working with other people, and that's that's something that a Google Hangout is never going to give you. You can't get that same sort of. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. You're sort of sat slightly in isolation, getting on, but not really being as productive as you probably would be. And I don't think, well, I certainly never thought that working in office was a, was a great environment. But I think I think I've certainly appreciated that you that sort of structure and and having people around you is actually a, is really really beneficial. How, how do you feel about it? Well. I think organically, I found I've been working from home maybe once a week on average. Friday tends to be the day that happens. And it's really useful when you've got a feature to write or you just need to do some deep thinking, as people call it. You just get it done and you block that out and it can be really useful. But doing it every day, as you say, when you're having, when you're, you're looking for ideas from other people, it's just quite difficult because even when we, we try to do a conference over video, it's just, it, you can't you just it it's very difficult because you're not getting the same vibe you kind of have to be quite disciplined in terms of you know just speaking you have to make sure people aren't speaking at the same time and it's just that formality that you have to bring that rigidity it just it, it does feel very stifling to be honest um but you know it's early days we're recording on wednesday morning it's still day two of it hopefully things will get a lot better as we as we get better at it but i think yeah it's a challenge for everyone for sure yeah do you, do you think this will actually change the way that you know once this thing whole thing has blown over they said in hot fuzz do you think this will change the way that companies work will, will, will offices no longer 
be a concept? Do you think people, you know, companies will realise that people can work from home? They may not be the best of it, but there's a big overhead in, in running an office, even if it's in Twickenham. My personal view is that the experience from social media has been very instructive in that just because technology can do something doesn't mean that we necessarily should. Just because we can connect everyone in the world via social media, I think we're learning that perhaps it's not always best to do that. And I think that's instructive for the potential to use technology to work from home. Actually, how much of that do we really want to do? Um, I think we've been seeing a trend with open plan, for example, in a lot of offices where it's actually work can be, we were talking about deep thinking just now, it can be quite disruptive to work in open plan offices. Um, if you're having less seats than actual people, as a lot of companies do, then that's an organizational thing that maybe isn't conducive to um, uh, always having the most optimal work environment. And so I think maybe this may be an opportunity for us to kind of, now we've gone headfirst into working from home, actually coming out the other side and saying, well, yes, we've improved it in a number of ways. But actually, we really do see the value in people being together in an office and creating the conditions for people to do that. I don't know what you think. But I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think certainly for the creative industries in which we, we, you know, we're, we're attached to, and particularly in ad agencies, I think that the necessity to have people working together um, is now more more apparent than ever i think i think that the whole thing it being a, you know a people business all that kind of stuff is uh is, is really true well that's right and we are a people business and it's easy to forget that um just um we're as i say we're recording on wednesday morning um some of the late i mean new coming thick and fast um just now the ad association the advertising association it says it welcomes government action to support struggling businesses um, we're going to talk to um, rania robinson and mark nor um, later on in the show um but what are you hearing from people you're talking to the industry are they privately quite worried about the situation or optimistic about how they can pull through it I think, you know, I think it's one of those things that, you know, we're, we're, we're all in it together. No, no one's enjoying this. It's, um, it's a, it's, and no one knows how long it's going to last, but I, I, I don't think people, and I'm glad to see that people aren't being too boom laden and, you know, we're all, we're all screwed kind of thing. I think it's one of those things that it, it's, it's just intangible that no one could have predicted. Um, and we need to, as a, as a, as a magazine, as a, as a, you know, as, as, the, the the spokes people for the industry we need we need to have a positivity and not be too negative and obviously there's some terrible news stories there's some sad news stories out there as we know cinemas closing and um that's affecting the sales houses for that and production companies struggling with um you know make getting ads made and advertisers pulling their pulling pulling their ads it's it's um it's unprecedented but we we just need to get through this we need to rally together and realise the value of what we, or what we as an industry, uh, provide to the economy. And that when when it comes back, I think we'll all remember. But actually, I think I think it's actually reiterated how important the advertising industry is to the economy. I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's unprecedented time. Shops are. I mean, shops shops are. Uh, 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 I went to the savings business in Kingston, and you know, the shelves, shelves are empty. So I went to a, a, local, a corner shop. And, I was appalled to say that they're profiteering some of them. They're putting their prices up for, for loo roll and essentials, and even the pharmacists are charging more for, for products. So I, 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 say, I just think that that's where it goes wrong, and I think advertising 
is still a beacon of decency or can be a beacon of decency in a, in a, in a world which is going, kind of going a little bit mad at the moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, they definitely shouldn't be doing that. And, um, you know, everyone's having to adapt. Even as we speak right now, we're all um, dialing into um, our partner's uh, number eight studio in London, Soho, um, who are helping us do this. We're recording remotely. Um, and it's just, there's so many things that um, you're having to think on your feet and be agile with. Um, another new story from this morning, uh, Martin Sorrell's new company, S4 Capital, um, they did their latest results and they say they say they see no significant impact yet from coronavirus, uh, which, which uh, is pleasant given that we've seen um, stock market value falls from um, the other advertising holding companies. Um, how does this compare, I, mean, I wonder, to 2008, 2009, 2010 when we had the financial crisis? That's a very good point. I, I, as, as, as far as Sorrel goes, I, I, you know, I, I tend to take things he says with a with a measure of salt because they are relative minnows and they still, I mean, operate on the fringes. I suggest. So I think if you look at the holding company, that's probably more accurate than bigger holding companies. Holding companies, that's a more accurate reflection of um, of the market and you know the, the short term fears. But I think, as you say, um, the chancellor's measures to um, Rebalance business and reassure them, um, and reassure the economy. Look broadly positive. The advertising association, as you say, has been positive about them. So um, I, th- I think that we just need to, you know, it's one of those things we need to step back and take a measured view rather than react. Um, you know, just just you know, just just be just be measured about it, really. As, as far as as far as as far as the other, you know, the, the twenty uh, twenty oh eight financial crisis, it, it's, it feels similar, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know how it feels to you. Well, I I mean, I wasn't working that campaign at the time, but I imagine it must have been quite extraordinary. Um, I imagine it must have been quite similar in terms of this. I guess we have this um, this bias as humans where we, we can't predict or kind of foretell disasters happening. And even, you know, you, you've seen at the beginning of the coronavirus in January, I suspect most people thought, oh, it's just flu, you know, we'll get over it. It's not that bad. No one expected the situation we'd be in now. Uh, but I suppose the added kicker now is that with the financial crisis, we'd sort of been through similar crises before. We knew how governments react to them and what would happen to the economy within two years. But for now, we honestly don't know how long we're going to be working from home. We honestly don't know how badly the economy will be affected, do we? I think that's right. I mean, you know, economically, it feels, it feels similar to the 2008 um, crash. But I think in this instance, it's, it's changed the way that we are living our lives. So rather than, you know, 2008, some bit, a lot of people made redundant and they went home at the moment. It, you know, people are being made redundant, but people are working for them. I think the technology has enabled us to carry on with our lives as much as we possibly can. Whereas in 2008, you know, a lot of people were were, were let go, and uh, the the economy changed completely. In this instance, it seems we, you know, it's, it's, it, it, I think they describe it as a war, and it does feel like a war, doesn't it? It feels like wartime conditions where there are different, um, yeah, things being imposed upon you, and that's that's fine, and we understand that, and we appreciate that. But it doesn't feel so black and white as the um, the economic crash, where it was the banks, you know, they they gone under effect. But this one, no local shops are struggling. I think we're all doing our bits to try and help shops. I heard a, a great story actually from 
Andy Nairn yesterday. He told, he texted me and said that obviously the pubs of some pubs are being shut. I'm pleased to say that in Kingston they're still open at the moment. But their local pub um, in Exmouth Market, they put a ground behind the bar uh, that they're going to use when when the pub reopens, so they can all have a good drink and to keep the business going. Which I think it's just such a lovely idea. And I think more of us or more businesses should be doing like that, supporting smaller companies, smaller companies and smaller businesses. Indeed, and you actually wrote a column about um, not Andy Nen per se, but his company, Lucky Generals. Um, they did something rather interesting last week. I was actually on holiday, so I only saw it this week when I returned. But um, they and Atomic are doing more to encourage more diversity, different people coming into the industry. And they've actually, have they bought a flat? Is that what they've done? Yeah, they bought they bought a flat in, um, in Stratford, I believe. Um, and I say it's, it's not... Just Lucky General, they've done a, a significant thing. Atomic are doing a, a similar venture where they're helping people who um, uh, is from you know different socioeconomic backgrounds to actually join the industry or you know give them a leg up because they might not be able to afford to live in London, um, get placement teams in, putting them up, giving them food, and paying them the living wage to encourage people who might not otherwise get into advertising to do so. And I think it's just so important because you know. We publish a lot about diversity, and rightly so, but a lot of, well, a lot of it, some of it, you think. I'm sometimes cynical about the motives of why people have written it. I think it's paying lip service to something that's really important, but they feel they have to, some companies feel they have to take a view, but they're not actually doing much about it. And these two instances of Atomic and Lucky Generals, they're actually putting their money where their mouth is and they're they're investing. And these are probably, you know, buying a flat in Stratford to put, placement team on that's a considerable investment and the same with, with um, Atomic which I think they're putting two or three grand towards living costs to help people who would otherwise not be able to afford to live in London do so and I think you know it's it, we talked earlier about this being sort of unprecedented and slightly bleak times there that optimism I think is just wonderful and we should try and grab hold of that and, and find more instances of things like that to celebrate yeah, um, I completely agree. And to quote one Jeremy Lee, he says, it's where true purpose really lies beyond a leaden brand promise or clunky attempt to pretend that brands really are a force for social good and not primarily a means for profit. Um, and as you oh, also want to say, <laughs> a principle is not a principle unless it costs you something, um, which are wise words indeed. Um, finally, last story I want to mention before we move on to the next section. Um, we did a campaign, we did a poll on our website, and you can read about it on campaignlive.co.uk, where we ask readers, how do you think the ad market will perform over the next six months? And Half expect a decline of at least 20%. Um, rather optimistic 8% who think it will be at least flat or better. <laughs> and um, flat or better. somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, coronavirus, what's an opportunity for the economy? Um, what, do, I mean, what do you think? Does that, does that ring true with what you, how you think things are going to pan out? Yeah, it, it, it does sort of feel broadly right. I mean, it's not the most scientific call in the world. In fact, they even asked me to give my opinion on that. What do I know? But um, I think that, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be traumatic, isn't it? It's going to be traumatic for the ad market. You, you've seen the share prices of media owners fall. You've seen advertisers pulling spend. We've just got to hope and, um, you know, hope that they're going to come back. And I think, you know, Claire Beale, our um, global editor mentioned, yesterday, this is a big opportunity for, for brand building rather than tactical advertising. I think, 
the importance of establishing and reiterating how important your brand is in a time of this sort of crisis is, is, is really important. Indeed. Okay, thanks, Jeremy. We'll have you back at end of the show but until then when we come back I'll be speaking with Quiet Storms Chief Executive Rania Robinson We are back with Rania Robinson Rania is the CEO of Quiet Storm which she founded alongside her husband Trevor 25 years ago Hello Rania Hello Omar Why is it called Quiet Storm and um, what sets you apart from other agencies well, I, mean, I think probably 25 years ago when uh, we founded the agency, it was at the time a pioneering new agency model. I think people have kind of caught up to a degree over the last 25 years, but certainly at the time it was the first kind of creative agency and production company. I think one of the things that still sets us apart, which is not so common, I think it's common to have production uh, as part of a kind of agency service offer now, but is the fact that our creatives direct their own work, which I think is still quite rare. So given that, production obviously is taking a huge hit with the coronavirus crisis. Um, how have you been adapting? What have you been doing? Well, we, we've been quite lucky in that most of our productions planned for the year were kind of done, with the exception of one major production that was due to happen in, in Prague. Um, and, and quite honestly, we were literally up to the wire in terms of planning on doing it. It wasn't until they shut the, the borders, really, in Prague that we, we had to pull it. Um, but we, that's just a postponement. It'll happen later in the year. Um, but that's really been the only one. Um, we, the production side of the business is, is kind of relatively small part of the business now. And a lot of it's kind of creative agency consultative. So um, it hasn't had the kind of impact it would have had if we were pure play production. And I understand that um, all staff have been working from home from Tuesday this week. And what, how have you found that experience? I mean, so far, it's been relatively manageable. I haven't, I mean, it's a bit early to say, in all honesty. We have got two pitches scheduled for next week. And I think that's going to be interesting because it's really when you pitch that you're at your most intense, if you like, and you need that real strong, tight, collaborative um, process. So, it, it seems to be okay at the moment, but um, I'll let you know after next week when we've got these two pictures out of the way. But quite honestly, I think... Are those we, just happening virtually? They're happening over... They're happening over conference happening? lines. We're doing all the creative reviews over conference lines. We've got creatives obviously meeting up and working a lot together in, in you know, various homes around London. Um, and we're doing the reviews virtually and we're obviously going to be presenting um, the final pictures virtually as well. But... Um, I can't honestly say yet. We'll see by the, the quality of the, the end product with the pictures. But I think if, if we manage to get these two pictures done to the standard that I would, you know, we'd normally get them done to, um, I, I, you know, that, for me, that's kind of, that's probably one of the toughest things you can do remotely. Um, so if you can do that, you can do anything probably. <laughs> with the exception of production. (laughs) And what do you think when we come out the other side of this, do you think um, if things go well in terms of pitching virtually or doing creative reviews virtually, do you think we're going to see more of that even after the crisis? I think almost certainly. I mean, I think there's going to be, this is going to create behavioral change. I think we'll, will continue, you know, on a number of levels. And I think it's going to happen at a consumer level as well. And it kind of, um, but yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think people have sort of been toying with this idea of working from home and some businesses have been a bit more progressive with it than others. We're quite flexible and like as an agency anyway, in terms of 
remote working. But I think the fear has been, can it work? Will it work well? Will we get what we need to get done? If all those fears are kind of alleviated, then yeah, I think people will be much, much more open to it. And what about for your clients, the brands? What what do they need to do differently during this crisis? We've seen, obviously, the supermarkets are in the public eye because of all the troubles they've had with um, people lining up for toilet paper, um, stockpiling. And obviously, it's good for some brands in terms of the online companies. We've been talking about um, Google and Microsoft in terms of what they can offer. What do brands generally need to do differently during this crisis, either short-term tactics or long-term I think what this will do is it'll prompt weaknesses for certain clients. I mean, there's certain things that you, that you just can't account for, you know, things like leisure and entertainment and, and the, and the flight, you know, holidays and, and flight companies. There's really nothing, but there are certainly some businesses, I think, that with the, with, you know, having had gone through this crisis, they'll look at their distribution channel network, maybe. For example, one particular client of ours who, who are very seasonal, um, and have a, uh, probably a high, a disproportionately high percentage of older customer base, consumer base, had their distribution channels been different, this wouldn't have been an impact. If they could home deliver, for example, this wouldn't have, been, wouldn't take, have had such an impact on them. So I think things like that, it's bringing up things like that that maybe might impact kind of distribution choices in the future. Um, so I think with any business, there's going to be opportunities, there's going to be um, challenges and threats. And I think a good way to respond to it would be to try and minimize obviously the potential damage but look to the future um to strengthen you know your proposition for to protect you from situations like that not that this is obviously something that's going to happen probably every every day but it definitely does make you think about how you can provide a better service i guess in in times of need now, when I organized um, you to come on the podcast several weeks ago now, you were due to speak at Advertising Week Europe, which was supposed to be happening this week and has now been cancelled alongside many other industry events. We're still waiting to see what's going to happen with Cannes Lions. I got my press accreditation for Cannes yesterday, but I still don't see how it's going to happen in June, frankly. Um, what, I mean, quickly, what were you going to talk about? I understand you were going to do a talk with the Women's Equality Party. Yeah. I think, yeah, I was going to talk about, um, I mean, Women's Equality Party is kind of doing politics differently, if you like. They're a really interesting um, kind of antidote, if you like, to the, the current political landscape. Um, and for us, it was really a case of, for me, I was going to talk about what brands can learn, one, from their approach to politics and approach to doing things differently, but also from a com- communication point of view. Um, yeah, but I, I think there's actually kind of learnings both sides. I think there's a lot the politics politicians and political political parties can learn from brands and you know have done historically um but but yeah that that was the kind of crux of the talk mm, when we're oh, i'm sure you have an opportunity to do that talk again in the future and when you do i want you back on the podcast because you raise a really interesting point about political advertising and what brands and can learn and vice versa um but i wanted to ask you more generally um, we're obviously um, quite disappointed that Advertising Week um, isn't happening this week. Um, but what what value is there beyond, obviously, talks such as yours, which are, sound quite interesting? It's a huge networking opportunity for the delegates that attend. But beyond that, how much value are we really getting? How much learning from these events? Yeah. I mean, I think there is value in the content, in all honesty. I think what I would argue is whether you need to attend the event itself necessarily to get the best 
and the most out of that content. Um, but I definitely think, you know, looking for, I'm continuing, you know, we're all looking for inspiration and, you know, the rise of podcasts and the popularity of podcasts is there's clearly a real appetite for people looking for inspiration and information and, and stuff like that. So I, I think, I think what I guess what I would question is how important is it to deliver events at such a large scale in terms from an attendance point of view? And is there an opportunity to kind of open it? open these events out you know more virtually and more digitally which is obviously something that we're all starting to do um and it's you know it's happening ted have been doing it for years and it certainly you know is a strand of probably every festival there's probably you know there's a kind of virtual experience opportunity but i just wonder if there's more opportunity to to look at the kind of modeling uh of these events to to develop them more in that way mm. And tell me about um, how you and Trevor are adapting to life working from home. I don't know if you, you share an office. Or <laughs> well, it's quite... <laughs> what, are, what are, you, what, are you watching more Netflix? Are you watching more... Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting because obviously we we live together and work together. But at least when we're in the office, we're not literally um, together constantly in the office. So it's quite interesting. Uh, it's too soon to tell, to be honest with you. I'm sure we're going to start driving each other mad. But, um, I mean, during the, during the day is, is really is business as usual, just from a different spot. Um, we've got lucky enough to have enough space in the house to, to keep us separate and, and give each other a bit of space. But, um, but no, I mean, in ter- at the moment, our behavior hasn't changed that much. Um, it's really just been the location uh, and obviously not socializing quite so much. So, um, We'll, we'll see how it pans out. <laughs> I think in, in a few more in a, a few more weeks we'll be looking for ways to manage it better. I think probably. Mm. And what's inspiring right now in, in the advertising world, or even just wider culturally? I mean, what you about? I think this is something that's been happening for some time now. So it's not necessarily particularly new, but it's sort of entering new narratives, if you like. Um, I'm, I'm really loving this kind of increased openness we're all, we've all got all of a sudden. Um, whether it's standing up for things that are wrong and whether it's kind of, you know, the Me Too movement, equal pay, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, right through to just opening up about, you know, personal issues. I think the latest now is around kind of menopause, which I think, you know, being a woman of my age, I'm really embracing. Um, but I'm loving just the openness, the address, you know, taking on, you know, addressing taboos um, and, you know, speaking out. So long, you know, hopefully that will continue. Indeed. Okay. Thanks, Rania. Great to chat to you. And when we come back, we're going to take a closer look at how to be most productive when working from home and indeed flexible working as a whole with one industry leader who's been really taking a lead on this. So we are back and we are with Mark Knorr, who is Group Chief Executive of Maroma Agencies and Chairman of Fold7. Mark was the founder and CEO of KitKat Knorr, which was a serial Agency of the Year winner in the direct and CRM category um, before, let's say, a controversial acquisition by Publicist Group. Uh, We won't talk about that, but uh, listeners can read about that on the campaign website if they wish. He has also been twice elected to the board of the IPA and has been awarded an honorary life the Institute of Direct and Digital Marketing for Services to Training. Mark, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Um, I, I hear you've just been elected for a third time, in fact. My notes are already out of date. I have. Apparently that was last week. They held their annual elections and I, I got a little email to say I'm back in. 
Oh, fantastic. Okay. Um, so, Mark, I've been looking to get you on the podcast for a while, actually, um, notwithstanding all the, the coronavirus disruption we've experienced, um, because um, we mentioned you two, three weeks ago now, um, after um, the TimeWise um, award, and do you want to, and um, you actually, um, you're one of the first ad agency CEOs to actually be working four days a week, nothing to do with childcare or other things. Do you want to explain a bit about that, why you've done that? Yeah, I just came to the conclusion a couple of years ago um, that, uh, first of all, I needed space to think, um, and the sheer unrelenting nature of our industry was making that uh, difficult to get that kind of quality time. And I was also lucky enough to be invited to do a couple of other things, um, including chair a charity. Um, and so I thought I'd be honest about it rather than just trying to squeeze it in in my lunch times, um, that I would dedicate the time it needed to do it properly. So it's really it, it was an attempt to try and manage my time and my headspace better. Absolutely. And obviously, this has become even more relevant with um, most of the industry working from home now. What's been your own experience of this crisis? How are you adapting? How are you been planning? Well, I guess there are two answers there. One's on a personal level and one's on a, on a, a kind of corporate level. Um, personally, um, I, I'm, I'm used to working remotely. I'm used to working at unusual days and times in different ways because um, I've had a fair amount of practice. Um, like everyone else, uh, I, I will miss the human contact and the interaction and the moments of serendipity that come with being in an office with other people. Uh, but I'm doing fine and I'm you know, trying to make sure that I stay fit and healthy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, on a corporate level, obviously, it's a whole other thing. You know, these are, and here all the cliches come tumbling out. You know, this is a unique um, environment we find ourselves in. These are uncharted waters, et cetera, et cetera. This is, a, this is a crash. It's a mini financial crash, and it's not being caused by the financial system per se. It's being caused by a health crisis, uh, and therefore uh, it's had a massive impact on all sorts of businesses, um, our clients' businesses primarily. Um, you know, We are agents. We are agents of our clients, and so if they're going through it, we're going through it with them. And you wrote something very interestingly on um, campaign site um, in the last couple of weeks at the end of February where you said actually multitasking is a myth. Um, this is, might come as a surprise to many people who are trying to do a lot of things at home while working from home during the crisis. Um, explain what you mean by that. Why is it a myth? Well, I mean, I think studies have shown that it is almost impossible to do more than one thing at once. Uh, I know some people are very competent uh, at doing lots of things, but that actually what is happening every time we're breaking off to either send or receive a text or or do whatever it is uh, that we are that, that, that we're engaged with, uh, we're losing focus, we're losing concentration, and we're losing the kind of deep thinking that's required to do the kind of creative and innovative work uh, on which our industry relies. There was a, a piece of work that came out a year or two uh, by an American academic called Cal Newport, uh, and he either coined or popularized the phrase deep work, and he referred to that deep focus uh, that is required to do genuinely uh, original um, thinking, uh, creative thinking. Many creative directors in our industry and creators in our industry will recognize this. It's very difficult to focus uh, on big ideas, on novel thinking, if you're trying to do 15 things at once and you're massively distracted. When you read interviews with novelists, and um, they'll often talk about you know the daily regime of getting up at the crack of dawn or whenever it is they work best and just freeing themselves of distraction either in the, in the shed at the back of their garden or wherever, wherever else it is that they choose to work, but they need time on their own to focus. 
Mm. Um, so very important that we build in deep thinking um, as well as interacting with colleagues over email, group chat, etc. Completely, yeah. And I think particularly in the current environment, my advice certainly to all the people that I work with um, is that they think about how they ritualize their day and structure their time. I think particularly for people who are not used to working at home at all, you know, there are people who have been to, you know, school, college, straight into work, you know, doing the nine to five or in advertising, possibly longer hours. Um, the notion of suddenly being at home. So irrespective of their home circumstances, you know, we found that some of our colleagues didn't even have a desk to work at. Um, uh, or they were in a shared house with a kitchen table and everyone wanted to work at it. So quite apart from the kind of physical uh, challenges, um, there's just the needing to think about how you're productive. Uh, and so the advice that I've offered them is, is, is structure your time. So you know, do yourself a daily timetable. You can have free time in it and you can have time you know, that is that are unscheduled to think whatever it is you want to think. But think about what time you want to get up. Think about taking breaks. Think about doing some exercise. Think about getting out of the house. Think about time spent, you know, socializing online with your colleagues and think about the time where you need to just switch everything off and just do a piece of quality thinking. Mm. And that's all well and good for people who um, have got that set up. Um, what about, um, I mean, you, you, you did a lot of production, for example, and we, you know, we got the news yesterday that, you know, cinema, um, uh, cinemas are shutting all over the country. Cinema advertising is, is dying for all intents and purposes. What, this must be a hugely difficult time for video production. Um, what actions are you taking in that respect? I, I mean, massively. I mean, if we're talking about what's happening in the wider world, you know, I guess right now it's boom time. If you're Zoom or you manufacture hand gel, um, I understand that, <clears throat> excuse me, Xbox had a meltdown uh, last Sunday because so many people were using it. Completely different story if you're an airline uh, or you're running a leisure center or a cinema um, or you're a movie studio. So, you know, this this uh, problem uh, is going to f affect different industries differentially. Um, uh, and in the production space within our own industry, uh, unfortunately, there have been quite a lot of productions that have closed down, um, foreign locations not being accessible anymore, um, uh, and postponements and delays, um, perhaps almost inevitably, uh, when you're getting a bunch of people in a single location to do a piece of work like that. Is there more that government can do, at least in the short term, to help these businesses? Yeah, listen, I think government have a massive role to play. I think the Chancellor of the Exchequer yesterday realized that if he hadn't before. Um, you know, it was it was uh, unusual timing that there was a, a budget last week anyway. But then when successive governments around Europe uh, then came out with even more progressive, even more generous policies uh, and measures, uh, I think the Chancellor was slightly wrong footed uh, and had to play catch up. Even yesterday, with the uh, policies and measures that he did announce, he also signaled that there'd be further measures coming forward in, in the days that follow. So for sure, whether it's business loans, whether it's grants, whether it's tax rebates, whether it's giving time uh, to business to uh, a little bit more time for them to, to do their uh, PAYE and their, and their VAT filing, um, there are businesses that are suffering. I have mates who are thinking of shutting up shop um, uh, perhaps for a few weeks or a few months, one or two, tragically thinking of shutting up shop uh, permanently. People are hurting. People have talked about this being, frankly, the biggest hit to our economy and society since the Second World War. What, when, uh, you have to think that we're eventually going to come out the other sides of this. How do you think the advertising industry is going to look once we've returned to some sort of normalcy? 
I mean, I think one of the things that's difficult is to figure out what the duration and the intensity of this will be. Um, and without scaremongering, we've all read, you know, we've all read how bad it could be, you know, with um, with people going untreated in hospitals and, and doctors having to play God in terms of deciding, you know, who's treated and who's not. Um, I know I've got a nephew that's in a London hospital um, working in the emergency department, and it's sounding really tough, right? So, but as I said, it's difficult to know how long it's going to go on for uh, and how bad it will be. Whether that is a mu- whether that is a month or whether that's three or even six months, the longer it goes on, the more intense it is. The biggest, the bigger the impact it will have on businesses, and therefore, um, since there are clients, the bigger the impact it will have on our agencies. Um, and things will change. Um, uh, hopefully, we'll hold it together. Uh, hopefully, funding won't run out. Hopefully, people will manage their cash flows. Um, but there are consequences to all of these things, um, including to the people that uh, we work with and that work for us, our staff and our suppliers. So, you know, in essence, it depends on the intensity and the duration of this. Uh, but it's clear um, that some businesses will not survive or will need to reshape fairly radically. Uh, we'll need to mothball to get through it. Okay. And on that rather sobering note, finally, before we before we wrap up, give us some inspirations. What's exciting you right now, Mark? Uh, I'm an unreconstructed soul and jazz boy, um, and I am particularly inspired um, by the emerging um, jazz scene uh, on both sides of the Atlantic, uh, but particularly um, in in New York. Uh, and in North America. So some of the new artists, Kamasi Washington, Robert Glasper, Kendrick Scott, some of the new jazz musicians coming out of the States, um, also having an influence um, on some of the musicians here too. Um, and, you know, I get I get solace and inspiration and energy from music. Um, so I'm relying on that quite a lot right now. Um, I think the new wave of, of jazz is already impacting on, uh, on R&B and soul, and we'll find that flowing right the way through to film and to advertising, of course, because that's where we draw our inspiration from um, uh, in our industry, from culture. Indeed. I've, I've now got a picture of you dancing around your living room listening to um, jazz. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if I dance to jazz, but I'll give it a try, Omar. <laughs> OK, well, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much, Mark. Okay, and we're back with my colleague, Jeremy Lee. So, Jeremy, with all this, this doom and gloom, give us some inspirations. What are you What are, What are you doing when you're not working? I know you, you work very hard. What are you doing when you're not working? You're still at home, working from home. What are you, what's inspiring you? How are you taking your mind off things? Um, I'm drinking wine in the evenings. Um, that's keeping me occupied. There's a, there's, to be fair, there's a, there's a great new series on... Um, well, on, on on Dave that I've discovered, and Dave is the channel I'd normally find, and I don't know uh, whether you know uh, John Richardson and his wife Lucy Beaumont, but they, they're doing this uh, sort of documentary about their lives called uh, Home with the Richardsons, which is like a Kardashian-type spoof of their them living in Hebden Bridge or somewhere in Yorkshire. Anyway, it's brilliant, and I'm finding myself in uh, you know getting getting involved in watching television that I'd otherwise not discover. How, how about you? 
I've, I've, I've said this before on the show. I find myself watching less and less television as the weeks go by. And I'll tell you why. It's the lists. My Netflix list, you know, my list, where you pick all the things you want to watch later, it's just growing exponentially, it seems. And I literally have about 100 podcasts on my phone that I haven't listened to yet because there's just so much content that I want to consume and there's just no time. And it seems, particularly with television, that because there's so much mediocre content, particularly on Netflix, let's be honest, I find I'm just watching less and less of it because the bar seems a lot higher now for what I want to do with my time. I, so you find yourself watching more television, I find myself watching less. Yeah, it's odd. I'm finding it's that old sort of uh, cliche that, you know, radio is um, a really intimate medium because it's your friend. I am listening to a lot of radio, which is something, you know, we never have the radio on when we're at work, do we? We, don't, we might listen to Spotify at our desk, but I'm finding myself listening to radio all day long and it is it, you know it's, it's a comfort and i think it's one of those things that um we, we just have to be really grateful that that we have you know as you say there's a lot of rubbish on netflix there's a lot of rubbish on itunes there's a lot of rubbish on bbc but they're, 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 it's just having that there as a support in these times is, is i'm finding very very comforting and, and wonderful and uh and i'm very pleased that we have such a diverse amount of content out there even if some of it's crap uh yes but having said that there are just some fantastic television shows i caught the first episode of season three of westworld i don't know if you watch westworld i, I caught that last night it's on sky atlantic and it's an hbo show and it is just it's it's incredibly difficult to watch but it is rewarding it's just so fantastically layered um and it's just this amazing sci-fi story of um robots having consciousness and now seemingly trying to take over earth um but it's there are and hbo so many fantastic shows succession obviously the sopranos um there's so much good television, but almost so much crap television, and you just have to be really good about finding the good stuff. Well, what perhaps we could do is um, is get people to send in what they're watching, like their favourite box sets or new content that's out there, because you know, we're going to be stuck inside for probably a bit of time, and I think none of us have got the time to surf through loads of rubbish trying to find that gem. Those gems are out there. Perhaps we could get people to send in what they want or what they what they recommend. What do you reckon? Jeremy, that is a fantastic idea because you know what? Um, some of the best shows I've seen in the past six months are ones that have been recommended to me by colleagues and friends. I'm thinking of Succession. How many people started watching Succession because three different people were telling him, oh, you have to watch Succession, for example. Mm. And I think that the problem with some of these um, these online marketplace platforms is if you rely too much on user ratings, I think... Um, you can you have the wall pull over your eyes. Um, I use Goodreads for, um, for for books, and it's sort of like you create a list of things you want to read, and people users give their own recommendations. And some of the book recommendations, like they're all kind of crowdsourced. You know, Animal Farm, one of the you know the classic books in literature of all time, gets like a three point nine. What is that about? And I think <laughs> I, th I, th I think your idea is fantastic because we, I think we need to create more. Um, a better quality of user recommendations at scale from people you can trust, you know. So yeah, I think that's a fantastic idea. Well, you make a good point about about books. I mean, that's a, that's another pleasure that um, I've just you know rediscovered because um, you know most times you go to work, you come home, you watch a bit of you go to bed. But now you know we're at home, we're working, but it's time to read books, and that that's a that's rekindled a, a love of, of reading that I probably probably eludes me. I think. Um, 
I think that you, you know the whole, you make a very good point about algorithms and deciding what's good and what isn't. And uh, let, let's 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 crowdsource some really good stuff for people out there. Yes, who'd have thought it? Twenty twenty, uh, the humans bite back. Um, okay, that is all the time we have for today, unfortunately. Um, thank you to our partners, Number 8 and London Soho, for their help in getting this podcast together. We really appreciate it. And of course, our thoughts go out to everyone affected by this difficult situation. Um, I wouldn't say we'll be back to normal next week, because that's very unlikely. Who knows how long this will take? But we're working on lots of ideas for how we report this podcast remotely and still talk to lots of interesting guests from across the industry. So, Until next time, thank you so much for listening and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts plus catch all the stories we talked about and the latest ads on campaignlive.co.uk and thanks to our producers Ben Londersborough and Martha Llewellyn and the team at number 8. Thanks very much. Goodbye.